Good evening everyone, John Day here with the Weekday Bugle, and today we're going to talk about United um, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres warning that, Ru that Russia, um, that, that the nuclear option is still available. That uh, unfortunately, that this is a bone-chilling development, but the uh, the realm of nuclear war is still not ruled out in this conflict. That you know they that they have warned that they will use nuclear weapons if coerced by NATO. You know should you know should NATO intervene. You know and they you know Russia is really using this as a, as a huge scare tactic to try and keep NATO out of the out of this conflict and to keep the United States at bay. So they're trying to scare Biden with nukes when we also have a nuclear arsenal. Let's not forget that we also that we were one of that we were and still are one of the biggest superpowers in the world with with a nuclear stockpile. Russia might have the most, but we still have a fair share of nukes that we can still threaten Putin with. Say, we will if need be, we will launch nukes at you. Should you keep continue this invasion? That's what Biden needs to really do. He needs to step up his A game, and he needs to start. He needs to stop cowering in his basement, and he needs to get out there and get up on the stage and say and through and declare and speak directly to Putin and say, "Look, we got we we got nukes too, and we're not afraid to use them on you." So that's what we that that's what we that's what we need to do to try and scare Putin. So be it. And and told and Biden should totally disregard all the flashback that's gonna come smacking him in the face from all the, from these remarks, but he needs to step up his game and he needs to go out there and do what Trump did: peace through strength. We need to show peace through strength. We need to we need to pressure these our our enemies. We need to bolden our allies and we need to um, try and scare our enemies into submission so that way they're not gonna try and do anything stupid that's gonna be hurting. NATO's interest and borders. Now that they're now that the borders of NATO are under threat, we need to help secure that. Now I know there's a lot of people out there saying the border needs to be secure. Why are we worried about NATO? Well, you see, NATO behind NATO borders lies Europe. If NATO, if the NATO border is unsecure with Russian soldiers running across, then we're then technically Russia. Is pretty much launching a full-scale invasion of Europe, of Europe, and wishes to occupy at least some part of Europe, and possibly all of Eastern Europe will be occupied by by Russians. And we can't have that. That's the scale of of the Cold War that we never got to see. And this is ridiculous that we're seeing this in this time. This should be a time of peace and order. And the Russia and Vladimir Putin has certainly launched. I don't know how many long years this is going to be, but I think this is not just going to be a couple of months ordeal with Putin. I don't think he's going to stop. And many people have warned that Vladimir Putin will not stop at nothing to take Ukraine. And not just Ukraine. A lot of people are saying his end game is not Ukraine. His end game is taking all and is slicing all of Eastern Europe into a Russian half. He's going to carve. He's going to pretty much carve up Eastern Eastern Europe um, into a Russian half and a. And pretty much, you know, leave Western Europe all to the Western Europeans. And I mean, that's crazy. And I would, and I'd be, I'd still be surprised if the Russians would go at, with the, if the Russians would go ahead and take, take East, take, and, and slice Germany in half again. I don't think they can. I don't think they're going to do that. 
But I think that they will try and move in on all the former Soviet republics and try and take them out and put them, take them back into Russia's fold. But yeah, I really do think that he's going to keep using the same excuse to invade other countries as well. Oh, there may be a few Nazis over here too, and there are a few more Russian people over here too. Oh, they speak Russian too. Let's go ahead and invade them. You know, he's going to do the same, the same ethnic crap that he's been doing the whole time. Oh, these are ethnic Russians. Let's go ahead and take this country too. It's like the whole, the, the whole thing with the ethnic Russians is never going to end because we are, because we all have, almost every country has a small Russian minority or majority. And it doesn't, and it, and with Putin, it's not going to end because I think in the end he's going to have, um, you know, Russian domination in the at the in the end of this. His end game is to dominate all of Eastern Europe and pretty much take it back under Russia's fold, like it was during the time of the Soviet Union and maybe even the Russian Empire. Though I like to compare, I like to compare Putin's ambitions to the Soviet Union because, again, you know, he, he may seem like he's a he's a he is a Russian imperialist. Um, he is a Russian imperialist, like I said. But he's not a communist. Now, he acts like one, but he's not going to go out there and he's, he's not going to start redistributing the means of... He's not going to start redistributing the wealth and, you know, he's not going to go out there and, you know, seize the means of production, as they all say in the, in, in the Communist Manifesto. <laughs> and he's not going to ban private property. He's not going to do any of that because he's got all the oligarchs to help him out. He's got all these rich guys, these rich, these rich Russian strongmen to help him out. And, you know, they're not really that much of a strong man. They're just wealthy guys. They're just rich guys who will be, who will pretty much, who, who, if you push them around hard enough, they'll do whatever you want. That's the way Putin thinks. Really, I'm sure. But, um, but, um, Antonio, um, Gutierrez, um, warned that, um, Russia is using, Russia using nuclear weapons during its assault on Ukraine is within the realm of possibility. He warned that today. Gutierrez told reporters that Russian President Vladimir Putin's decision early on the invasion to pull, put his nuclear forces on high alert was a bone-chilling development. And really, I gotta agree with him. That was pretty bone-chilling, really. And, you know, really, and, that, and after that, the doomsday clock um, went 100 seconds to midnight, which is pretty terrifying because that's a pretty scary development, you know. Um... It hasn't been this bad for a long time, you know, since COVID hit. And not just COVID, but the Cuban Missile Crisis, um, the the Yom Kippur War, and and the Yugoslav Wars, I think. Also, um, the Doomsday Clock went up. And then the whole thing with the, um, with, um, going into, uh, you know, Operation, you know, Desert, Sh- Desert Storm. Um, going in, uh, going into Kuwait and Iraq, um, with Saddam Hussein threatening, you know, using chemical weapons and threatening to use dirty bombs and all that stuff. And that was pretty bad, but the doomsday clock has never been this close to midnight. You know, it got pretty close to this point during COVID with the, with the crazy pandemic going over. Now, now the COVID pandemic was pretty, it's a pretty terrible thing. It's disgusting. This is it's terrible. But, but you know, was it really that to the point where it could have killed off all of humanity? 
No, it wasn't at that point, but it did. But it has claimed a lot of lives, and it's ridiculous about how long it went on for. And it's ridiculous, you know, um, how many people it's killed. And it's pretty dang. It's a pretty dang on nasty virus. And I can't stand it when I see the media constantly parroting the Chinese narrative, constantly parroting the CCP narrative that it came from a fish mart, that it came from a seafood market. Or it came from a it came from a bat. It came from some fish or an animal. <laughs> I I get tired of seeing that narrative that the media keeps pushing. They keep parroting communist propaganda that comes straight out of China, straight out of the CCP's mouth, and all the all their mouthpieces in our media are sitting there parroting all that all the false narrative. And I'm like, look, okay, so the CCP's hostile to us. And they're communists, okay? So you would expect them to be opposed, especially under Xi Jinping. You know, back, there was one guy, I think, before um, Xi, um, Xi that um, was more lenient and was trying to get to, um, China to a more capitalist position, but still under the rule of the Communist Party. But, you know, he was he was being a little bit more lenient on um, getting grow, growing towards going towards a mixed economy. And then he died. I think that was... Uh, Dao Jinping or whatever his name was. I can't remember the guy's name. I can't say it right either. But Xi Jinping took power and he's much more of a communist hardliner. He was pretty he's pretty much a he's he's a communist to the core, really. And he's he's definitely hardened in his ideology of Marxism. But not just that, he's also a Mao I think he's also a Maoist. You know, he really probably held Mao Zedong in high esteem. He definitely plays down the war crime, the, the crimes against humanity that not that Mao Zedong committed. And he's in, you know, and as we speak, Xi Jinping and his regime are cracking down on Uyghur Muslims. They've been doing this for years now. And we still have companies like Disney parroting the party line saying, you know, you know, they didn't say, they, they're not saying a word about the massacre, about all the re-education and the, um, and the ethnic cleansing of the Uyghurs um, in, in Xinjiang or whatever that province is called in China. And that could even be on a wider scale than that. But all our companies over here that do business with the Chinese, they don't say a word about um, all the atrocities that they're committing. And they all say they're dedicated to a free and fair society. No discrimination. We don't like any human atrocities. We don't like human rights abuses. But yet they do business with regimes that perpetrate these things. And, you know, that's the hypocrisy of it all. And then you got companies like Nike, the N Nike, you got the NFL out there, the NBA. Maybe not so much the NBA, but definitely the, the NFL is a huge one. Doing business with China is a big thing with them. And then Adidas and all kinds of other companies that do business in China. And they, I mean, like, so they're going to pull out for Russia invading Ukraine, but they're not going to pull out for, you know, discovered for, um, you know, human rights abuses that are being discovered in China as well. Now, I'm not saying that they shouldn't do it for Ukraine, because they should. That's disgusting. It's a war, uh, and they, they are committing crimes against humanity that we haven't seen in, so, in quite some time. You know, some pro-Russia people might disagree and say, Oh, America went ahead and bombed um, Yugoslavia, and they went on ahead and bombed Serbia, and they bombed Belgrade in '99, and they went on ahead and they invaded um, Iraq without 
Any proof of nuclear weapons being there? They killed so many Iraqis. And they murdered Saddam Hussein. And I'm like, there was nuclear web. There, there was potentially nuclear weapons that he had, and that, and he was treating his people um, brutally. And he's like, he was a brutal dictator. He needed to go. And it's like we don't. And they come. And of course, they accuse us of nation building and doing that kind of thing. You know, they accuse us of building democ free and fair democracies. It's like, do you not? Was like, I understand it, but like, you don't want that. You don't want your people to have the benefit of the doubt. Like, of course, and they should understand by now that the United States does not tolerate tyranny. We don't tolerate tyrants. If we see tyrants, we take them out. And, of course, they accuse us of trying to build a puppet empire, you know, of different puppet regime, puppet democracies. And, you know, they they see the spread of democracy as, like, some kind of conquest. They see it as like a divide and conquer kind of thing, and you know it's crazy. You know all the all the totalitarians, the autocrats, they all think they all think that way. Democracy is some big evil thing, and then some of these countries that have autocrats that run the country, all they got, all they do, they don't even really have a dictatorship, but they kind of do, but it's not absolute. You know they find loopholes in the demo- in democracy. And they try and swoop right through these loopholes and they try and cancel elections. They declare martial law for no reason so that way they can bypass elections. Then they, then if they can't do that, they go ahead and they try and rig the voting machines and make themselves win and get, and then they modify the constitution with, you know, like almost unlimited support in the legislature. And then they pass bills and law and uh, constitution and they pass amendments and stuff. That, you know, make it almost impossible for them to not have a third or a fourth term, maybe even higher than that. Or they just go ahead and step down for a little while and become prime minister like what Putin did. And then he comes back year, a couple of years later and, you know, he's a lot different than he was. You know, he looked different when he came back and he even acted different. And he even took an even harder stance on, you know, hardening his grip in Russia, you know. As, you know, some, you know, people, you know, think that Putin, you know, some conspiracy theorists claim that Putin, well, the original Putin was liquefied, you know, after Mendeleev won, after Dmitry won. <laughs> and then they said when they, when they came back that they put a body double out there of Putin to win the election and come back. So a lot of people say that it was that, you know, but the more logical explanation would be, you know, he probably got plastic surgery or something. But, uh, you know, who knows? He probably does have clones. He probably does have, you know, pretty much so-called clones out there of him. He probably does have body doubles out there. So that way, if anybody wants to go out there and kill him, you know, they'll kill the body double, but they're not going to get the real guy. I'm sure he's he's probably got doppelgangers all all over Russia, all over the world. Anyway. It says, the the prospect of nuclear conflict, once unthinkable, is now back within the realm of possibility. It is time to stop the horror unleashed on the people of Ukraine and get on the path to diplomacy and peace. Now, I'm all for diplomacy and peace, but as of right now, we, we, we need to get on track with Ukraine and we need to give them assistance that they need. Many Ukrainians have called for the United States to take a better, to, for, you know, for the U.S. and NATO to take a better stance on this. And I agree. I agree 100%. 
because I can see a, the worst case scenario, of course we all know, is mutually assured destruction, we all die. Or, you know, nuclear, or they bomb the USA, and America is all, all of a sudden a nuclear, a nuclear wasteland. Now, who, now, that's worst case scenario. Second worst case scenario, World War III breaks out. We all fight in a conventional war. Either we all, and either all of our soldiers get killed, or Russia gets pushed back to Russia, which is great. Because, you know, the Ukrainians get to keep their freedom and their sovereignty, and we, and we get to back the, the, their borders up, and they could possibly join NATO. But, Let's be honest here. Let's be real. Now, does NATO really care about Ukraine? A lot of Ukrainians have expressed the belief that NATO doesn't care about Ukraine. They'd rather just let all these Ukrainians die until they, you know, are gone until they get until they get taken over by Russia. You know, a lot of the Ukrainians have expressed have expressed that, you know, because NATO is so reluctant to, you know, offer aid to Ukraine to Ukraine out of, out of, you know, because they're getting scared like they're being scared like chickens because Russia and because Vladimir Putin is threatening to nuke anyone who steps in and helps Ukraine. It's like, look, man, it's like, look, guys, we've already offered guns. We've offered um, humanitarian aid. We've offered humanitarian aid. We've offered weapons, defense systems. We've given all that to them. It's like, what's, what is a, what is a, what is a MiG going to do? It's like, what, what is a couple of MiGs going to do? It's like... You know, we give them what they we we give them what they need, and it's all good. You know, it's like why we have to deny the mix. It's like why don't we just give it to them? It's like we've already given them guns, and I've already discussed this point. We give them, we gave them guns, defense systems, missiles, uh, humanitarian aid. We've given them all kinds of stuff. And I mean, heck, even some people are actually leaving, are quitting their jobs, and are going leaving the countries. Leaving their homelands to go out there and fight for Ukraine because they see how dangerous the situation is, and a lot of them maybe have expressed fears that if this gets any worse, World War Three is going to break out and things are really going to get dirt. Things are really going to get ugly, and even worse, the possibility of nuclear warfare is absolutely ridiculous. It's just, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, guys. Guterres has called for the safeguarding of nuclear facilities in Ukraine and also announced that the UN is allocating $40 million from its Central Emergency Response Fund to assist Ukrainians. This funding will help get critical supplies of food, water, medicines, and other life-saving aid into the country, as well as provide cash assistance. Russian forces launched a full-blown military invasion of Ukraine nearly three weeks ago on February 24. Four days later, Putin raised the alert status for his nuclear forces to special regime of combat duty. President Biden's National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said Sunday that despite the apparent threat, Washington's nuclear alert levels remain unchanged. The United States has not adjusted our nuclear posture, but it is something that we monitor day by day, hour by hour, because it is a, param by a paramount priority to the president. Now, these things are scary developments, and 
Things keep getting worse. And there's a Russian state TV employee who crashed the live broadcast with an anti-war message. So she is seemingly in imminent danger of death or imprisonment. And y'all might want to hear this. Elon Musk um, has apparently challenged Vladimir Putin to a duel over Ukraine, which is quite crazy, quite the crazy development, and it's likely that that's not gonna happen. He just he's he's probably just teasing Putin on Twitter and getting into it. He's been getting into a tweet battle. Um, he's he's been getting into a um, a, he's been getting into a tweet battle with Russia's space agency, um, to Roscosmos. And he's been, you know, he's been, he's been messing around from, um, he's been messing around with, um, Putin a little bit. He's been toying with him. He was giving the Ukrainians Starlink, um, internet systems, which is great. And he's saying, he's challenging Putin. I hereby challenge Vladimir Putin, which he wrote Putin's name in Russian, called him out by name, to single combat. And he added, um... Stakes are Ukraine. So, in other words, if Putin dies, Ukraine is safe. If he, if Musk dies, Ukraine is Putin's, which is kind of a crazy deal. And then he said, and then he added, "Do you agree to this fight?" <laughs> and then a tweet. The tweet prompted nearly um, a nearly immediate response from the head of the Russian space agency, Roscosmos, who has traded wars awards with Musk in the past. You little devil. Are still young, Dmitry um, Rogozin, director of Roscosmos since 2018, wrote, "Compete with me, weakling. It will only be a waste of time. Overtake my brother first. Uh, first. Rogozin then cited the 17th fairy tale by Russian poet A. A. S. Pushkin, titled "The Tale of the Priest and His Workman Bala Balba." The story is about a lazy Russian Orthodox priest who elects a simpleton as a cheap laborer who then ends up outsmarting his master and driving him crazy in the end. <laughs> kind of weak. Ukrainian Vice President, Vice Prime Minister um, Mikhail, Mikhail Fedorov chimed in, I'm sure that Elon Musk can send Putin to Jupiter. <laughs> That'd be wonderful to see that. That'd be just funny. The funniest thing I've ever seen, right? The <laughs> Fedorov has been running a fundraiser to launch Putin into space for weeks, saying the proceeds would go to repairing damaged Ukrainian infrastructure. The fourth round of talks between the Russian and Ukrainian dignitaries were underway Monday, since Putin launched his invasion on February 24th. Since early in the war, Musk has been sending shipments of SpaceX Starlink terminals meant to um, alleviate internet disruptions in Ukraine amid Russian shelling and cyber attacks. In a historic twist on war after the advent of social media, it was Fedorov who on February 26th first tweeted at Musk, writing that while you try to colonize Mars, Russia tries to occupy Ukraine. While your rockets successfully landed from space, Russian rockets attacked simple people. We ask you to provide Ukraine with Starlink stations to address the Russians. This is to address sane Russians to stand. Musk coolly responded that, Star that, that Starlink service is now active in Ukraine and more terminals were en route. 
I'm made concerns that Russian-controlled airspace, the uplink transmissions, could be used as beacons for Russian airstrikes. Musk warned Ukrainian users to place antennas as far away from people as possible and to cover them with light camouflage. Fedorov thanked Starlink for keeping cities connected, but also warned generators were needed as Russian shelling was destroying infrastructure. Musk said he was working to update the software to reduce peak power consumption. Ideally, so terminals could be powered with cigarette lighters. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky thanked Musk for supporting Ukraine with words and deeds, saying he was to receive another batch of Starlink systems for destroyed cities this week. According to his website, Starlink uses advanced satellites in a low orbit to enable video calls, online gaming, streaming, and other high data that historically have not been possible with satellite internet. In a possible address, in a public address, in a public address shared on Telegram, Rogogzin decried Musk's efforts deploying of previously civilian technology during a military conflict in order in an effort to disrupt Russian military interests in Ukraine. Earlier this month, um, Rogozin told Russian state-run media that Moscow should no longer supply rocket engines to the U.S. following President Biden's economic sanctions over the war in Ukraine. In a situation like this, we can't supply the United States with our world's best rocket engines. Let them fly on somewhere else, their broomsticks. I don't know what. Last Wednesday, SpaceX's Falcon 9 launched 48 Starlink satellites in a low Earth orbit from Cape Canaveral Space Station, Florida. In video of the launch, an unidentified launch director is heard declaring, Time to let the American broomstick fly and hear the sounds of freedom. (laughs) Musk also tweeted the launch, writing, American broomstick. (laughs) The South African-born entrepreneur, who also co-founded the electronic payments firm PayPal has been vocal about the conflict in Ukraine is previously urging Europe to restart its nuclear power stages for the sake of national and international security and encouraging the U.S. to increase domestic oil output, recognizing it could negatively impact Tesla, an electric car company. He garnered praise from former President Donald Trump, who at a rally in South Carolina described the billionaire entrepreneur as a guy that I like and respect a f- friend of mine. He runs an electric car company and, and is calling for Biden to increase oil and gas production, but Biden won't do it because he does not have the will to stand up to AOC. And Trump is a, Trump is 100% right on that, too. And I believe if AOC and the progressives weren't as powerful as they are today, and they weren't, there weren't as many of them, then I don't think Biden would be doing any of this. I think Biden would be increasing energy production. He would be trying to do that. Because he wouldn't have to deal with climate change radicals. He wouldn't have to deal with that. He could express support for the climate change issue. Which I know it's true. And it's happening. And something needs to be done. But we can't just go out and completely wipe them, wipe the oil market off the face of the earth. We can't do that. That's not right. And we'll be paying more for gas. It's like we can't do It's like we shouldn't do that guys. But yes. And while I do agree that this climate change issue should be solved. I don't think that 
we need to put, put, put um, we need all hands on deck for this. You know, we need to keep the oil market going because first off, it gives folks money and it also prevents folks from paying more at the pump. It's ridiculous. But anyway, I think I'll leave that right there for now. Now, what say you guys? Tell tell me what you all think about all this. DM me if you guys got any questions. And as always, this has been John Day with the Witch Your Weekday News on the Weekday Bugle. And y'all have a good evening.